Since 2015, Pop Health Podcast has brought to you some of the best minds in healthcare, including leaders from government, not-for-profit, and investor-backed powerhouses, as they share successes, failures, and how our audience can move forward in today's constantly evolving healthcare world. Thank you for joining us for today's episode presented by 24-Hour Home Care. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Pop Health Podcast. I'm Gavin Ward, host of Pop Health Podcast. In today's episode, I had the opportunity to sit down with the chief of the Benefits Division of the Department of Healthcare Services, Lisa Morosky. In today's episode, we uncovered the new community health worker benefit that has gone live in July of this year. This has been a benefit that has been a long time coming and has seen success in other states from the East Coast to the West Coast, but never really has had the robust funding to really excel and thrive here in California. In today's episode, Lisa goes into more detail about this new benefit and how individuals who can relate and connect with their communities can have a big impact in healthcare outcomes. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Feel free to check out other episodes of Pop Health Podcast by visiting us at pophealthpodcast.com, checking us out on our YouTube channel, or listening to us wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks, everybody. Enjoy today's episode. Hi, Lisa. Thanks so much for joining the show today. Oh, it's a pleasure to be with you, Gavin. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So we like to kick off our episodes by getting to know the guest a little bit. So uh, Lisa, would you mind sharing uh, something about yourself, maybe outside of the DHCS world or healthcare world? Oh, gosh. Um, so I I sit on our local school board. <laughs> so, so another little part of the, the identity I have and hats I wear. Um, I like playing guitar. Um, ah. you know, I, I, I used to do, used to have more hobbies probably before, um, <laughs> before taking on so much professionally, but those are Our, things I uh, spend my time on. Nice. What was the, um, inspiration behind learning guitar? Was it a family member, friend, or someone on TV? Uh, you know, I, I never had picked it up and, but my mom played guitar and, um, you know, in my late twenties, I thought, you know, <laughs> I, I, this is always something I wanted to do. I love to sing. So, um, it's, it's become a real, uh, stress release and, and, uh, and a real fun hobby for me. Awesome. You ever do it in front of an audience, like at a show or a church or I'm thinking about, you know, maybe, maybe I'll, I'll get around to it. All right. Mike or something. Nice. That's great. Well, hey, appreciate that. So give us a little background about yourself, Lisa, um, where you grew up. Um, I noticed you've spent time, you know, in, both coasts and internationally. So yeah, a little background, please. Oh, sure. So grew up in Buffalo, New York, um, in a kind of, you know, a Rust Belt, middle-class neighborhood, um, was served very well by our public schools in Buffalo. So shout out to, uh, shout out to uh, Buffalo Public Schools. Um, I came out to California to attend UC Santa Barbara. So I did my undergrad in industrial engineering, um, my uh, graduate work in geography at Santa Barbara. Um, met my husband there. <laughs> we moved to Sacramento um, to, you know, to start working in, in policy and politics and uh, kind of the rest is history. So we've been in Sacramento for about 15 years. Um, you mentioned you mentioned international uh, uh, living, so I, I was able to spend uh, about a year uh, studying abroad in Japan and at Tohoku University in Sendai, in northern Japan. Um, so fantastic! I just 
Shout out to study abroad programs too. Yeah. We recommend that highly. Um, I have two sons myself and, uh, you know, oh, even now just like thinking about that, that's something that I really want to encourage everyone to do. That's great. So do you speak any Japanese? I used to. Okay. <laughs> I actually came back from the airport and uh, my dad was just floored by, you know, I was kind of helping, helping someone get their luggage. And he was like, is this my daughter? But, you know, it's like, if you don't use it, you lose it. So I've unfortunately I've lost a lot, um, but I, I do miss it. I love the, the food, the culture, um, the, the people I've met there. So. That's great. That's cool. So you mentioned Santa Barbara. Um, I, I know off the air, I mentioned it. So that was a place for me in my undergrad. Um, I was there, I think a little bit before your time. Uh, do you recall when you were out in Santa Barbara, any of your favorite food spots or uh, maybe just spots in general, or what do you loved about Santa Barbara? Oh, well, the beach. I mean, I learned to surf in Santa Barbara. Um, so that's, uh, that was kind of our, our, I guess, romantic story of my husband and I, we started surfing together and uh, our future husband at that time. Um, but yeah, I think, I think the, the beach, broadly speaking, you know, I lived in IV for, uh, Isla Vista (laughs) for for those non, uh, non Santa Barbara folks, um, the, the kind of college neighborhood real close to the beach. So could, you know, walk down or, or drive, drive down and, and surf, you know, it's nice to be able to check the surf spots and not have to. Uh, drive so far to see so uh, that was that was really lovely that was that was probably my my favorite thing and you know I just remember coming out from Buffalo and seeing the the coral trees in bloom and you know just the the natural beauty of the place and just being really uh, really floored and um, it, it started to feel like home as soon as I came Nice, nice. Well, I know you're in Sacramento now, so a little bit away from the beach, but uh, still not not too far, I guess you can say. Um, so you mentioned industrial engineering uh, out in Buffalo. Actually, before I, I jump there, so we're recording this right when the NFL season is starting out. Out of curiosity, any connection or love for the Buffalo Bills or no? Um, you know, I think it's it's just it's part of my blood. You know, I'm not like a huge sports fan, but you know, if you grow up in Buffalo, it's, it's, it's just part of the air you breathe. So yes, uh, <laughs> I consider myself a, 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 you know, long time diehard uh, Bills fan just out of, you know, um, uh, heritage. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, audience, you'll hear this a few days after the Buffalo Bills just uh, really put their stamp on the LA Rams. Uh, I'm a LA Rams supporter um, and the NFL season just started, but congrats to the Bills. Um, so you mentioned industrial engineering in your undergrad, and then you came out to Santa Barbara where you did a master's program. And at what point, whether it was in Santa Barbara or afterwards, when did you start to see healthcare as something that um, you'd be involved with? Um. So interestingly, so I, I came out to to Sacramento um, after after my undergrad, worked in um, kind of transportation demand management uh, for a little while in Santa Barbara. So really, you know, kind of getting people out of their cars, which which I loved and being part of the community that way. Um, I, you know, I, I had a little bit of crisis when I was uh, in, you know, finishing up my engineering degree thinking, well, I, I don't know, I, I think maybe social science and, you know, kind of policy is, is where I should, where I should go. And they said, just, just finish up, you know, finish up your, your degree. And so I, I made that transition to kind of social science and in, um, in my, my grad school work. And then in coming up to Sacramento, I was really interested in, you know, and what can I do in, in kind of policy. And I had a, a really strong analytical and technical background. So um, went to work for the legislative analyst's office, which 
which was a, a kind of a great fit for, for the, the background and skills and interests I had um, and wound up in public health, which I didn't have a background in. And so I, you know, I really w- am very grateful, you know, sometimes life takes you on, on different roads and, and twists and turns. And so that was kind of my introduction to covering, um, you know, state policy, budget, um, and healthcare programs. And what an introduction it was. Um, so I started during the recession, during the Great Recession, you know, when all of the public health programs were being decimated, um, but kind of fascinating because, you know, the way the budget was being reduced, every single program was kind of under review, <laughs> which doesn't yeah. always happen, right? So everyone was just really like, what does this do? What is the, you know, what population does it serve? How effective is it? What is the cost effectiveness? So there were just really a lot of uh, a lot of really interesting questions about how we manage and what our priorities are, um, but beyond you know healthcare and, and and population health. So that was a that was a really uh, a really good introduction for me, and I, I really treasure the fact that I was able to kind of come into this space from the public health population health um, lens because I think it's really given me a, a helpful uh, perspective, you know, for the for the work in healthcare as well. That's and great. Been hooked since then, so yeah, that's great. So we really want to focus on the new benefit, the community health worker benefit. So I know for me, Lisa, I didn't even know what that term was. Um, I'd heard like community-based organizations use it and mention, you know, they might have to apply for a grant, and it was just kind of this new, not so big thing a few years back. Now it's it's the future is bright. Give us a little bit of background on the community health worker, um, where it comes from, how it became this new benefit. Um, yeah, so, well, I, I really have to credit, you know, just the, the leadership of, of the state, you know, um, Governor Newsom, Secretary Galley, our, our director, Michelle Boss, um, you know, Deputy Director J.C. Cooper, um, my supervisor Renee Mallo, just just all the way down the the line in terms of the vision and and leadership to to make this a reality. Um, so you know, I mentioned you know coming at things from a public health population health uh, perspective. So really, just the, I think part of that is understanding you know that it's a it's about health. It's not just about health care, right? It's yeah. not just about delivering a service. It's about what is the end result and what are those things that, you know, beyond what we typically think about in that box of healthcare that really will keep us healthy by, um, you know, having that integration with the healthcare system and also talk about things like like health behaviors and healthy habits and, you know, the, the education that people need about their health to really um, to really thrive. And so, um, you know, that that then was made a reality. Um, we had our state plan amendment approved in July. And so I can, you know, talk you through some of the details of what that entails. But um, this space has, has been, as you mentioned, a little bit more underground, grant funded, often in the public health, um, you know, local health jurisdictions, community, community-based organizations. It's not really been something that's broadly been um, funded through kind of the insurance reimbursement healthcare delivery system, right? Yeah. So introducing that, you know, there's always always some tension and growing pains, uh, you know, in in terms of kind of melding those things together. 
Um, but I think, you know, been, been able to work with our stakeholders who have been uh, fantastic at really uh, educating us, you know, what are the those key components? What are those key competencies that you would need to have? How should the benefit look and be structured? Um, so just, I, I think, you know, we've gotten to a, a very good place and look forward to sharing more details with you. Yeah. So the community health worker for me, like if someone asked me what a community health worker is, I don't have much to say. I might say, oh, it's someone who might be boots on the ground in the community, speak the same language, have um, their own circle of support in that community and be a, have the ability to influence the community, maybe more so than than someone, you know, in an office setting that's coming from like a corporate or government lens. But that's about all I can all I know. Would you mind sharing more details? And like you mentioned the structure and, and so yeah, please share more. Sure. So one of the one of the key things that we that was really driven home by our our outreach and engagement with our stakeholders, who I just really can't credit enough um, of, of the the engagement and and information that they brought to bear on this process. Uh, one of the the thing that they really emphasized was the lived experience, the connection with the community, um, the you know the relatability um, from a cultural, linguistic, um, maybe like experiential lens. You know, so we're talking about you know folks who have been involved in the justice system, um, folks who are you know like the, the monolingual farm worker community. Um, that community has a long tradition of using uh, you're deploying promotoras. Um, promotors out to to you know kind of bridge that gap and it's you know it's it's been um, an issue that we're you know we're we're looking to address in terms of you know expanding insurance coverage to through medical to you know regardless of, of immigration status so that's on the horizon but you know in this in this space where where folks were not insured you know that that bringing bringing uh, the community health worker you know, to, to navigate them into to getting care when they needed it and explaining what was available, um, that was a really important thing. So that really, that it really distinguishes community health workers from kind of the, the clinical team is that they can be, they can be a part of developing like a care plan for, for that team, for the, the patient, but it's really, it's really, they're the patient's kind of um, connection they're the glue that kind of holds that patient in and helps them navigate, helps educate them about the system. Um, so we have in, in our spa, we we identified uh, the main components of what the community health worker would deliver. So maybe that would help, you know, put a little bit more um, more specificity to this. So yeah, really quickly, sorry, sorry to interrupt you. Yeah. Lisa, but, um, you mentioned in your spa. Now, I've learned what that means over the last year and healthcare 20 years, would you mind sharing with our audience when you say spa, what does that mean? Yeah. Of course, so our, uh, our state plan amendment for community health workers. So our state plan is our contract with the federal government between the federal government and uh, the state of California. It explains all of the things that we will cover under our state plan benefits. And so you've, you've probably talked to a lot of folks, um, you know, a lot of people listening know about different pilots and waivers and lots of different ways that things can be covered under the Medi-Cal program or funded. So the state plan is really kind of that core foundation of, of the benefits we cover across the board in fee-for-service and managed care for like 
generally for for all the populations. And there's, I mean, there's some little things, eligibility for for different benefits, but th that really covers the foundation of what we cover in the program. So anytime we're adding a new benefit like um, state, uh, like community health workers, that's not al already kind of defined somewhere, we have an amendment to that state plan. So that's the state plan amendment. <laughs> and that's where, uh, and that's what we really engaged folks on um, around uh, implementing this benefit is deciding, well, what, what does that state plan look like? Because that state plan is, again, the, the contract with between us and the federal government that explains exactly what we can draw down those federal dollars for and what the coverage will look like. And the federal government has to approve that in order for us to then implement it within the Medi-Cal program. Gotcha. So throughout the state is is the and forgive me if I'm I'm cutting off your what you're you're gonna say, but out of curiosity, this community health worker benefit, is this something that here in California where there's a lot of different managed care plans, you know, providing the care, are they required to offer this benefit or provide this benefit in each county? Yes. So um, so that's part of you know kind of coverage under the state plan as a state plan benefit versus, you know, a waiver program that might be available in certain counties. Um, so every plan, um, every Medi-Cal managed care plan and across the board in fee-for-service and managed care it is a benefit. Okay, got it. And the, uh, is it okay to say CHW benefit or is that like an acronym? I mean, that's how we've been referring to it. <laughs> and I should just, I should just also clarify that when I say every managed care plan, every Medi-Cal managed care plan. So um, it's not a covered benefit, you know, largely in the commercial space at this point, but, but in terms of Medi-Cal, then every, every managed care plan we at DHCS contract with. That's great. Really quickly. Uh, so, you know, across the country, of course, Medi-Cal in other states is known as Medicaid. Do you know if other states are doing this as well, or is California the first to, to kind of bring it to fruition in this model? So we're not the first. We hope we're the best, but yeah. <laughs> we, um, we took a lot of inspiration from some other states who, who had approved state plan amendments. So um, on, on our, we do have a web page that has a lot of, uh, a lot of this information posted. Um, so folks can look that up afterwards. Just if you Google DHCS community health workers, you'll find it. Um, okay. and so we, we do have, you know, uh, some also some links to some of the other states that had already implemented um, implemented CHWs. So I'll just um, shout out to to some of those other states: Minnesota, South Dakota, Oregon, Indiana, and Rhode Island. Okay. Have, um, we're we're also working on this on this benefit. So nice. So it wasn't just like a cluster. Um, you mentioned folks on both coasts and central yeah. United States. So that's really cool. So how do they? determine success or like what are the measurements to see to, to gauge if this is working yeah that's a you know that's a great uh that's a great question i think that there's there's some some challenges in probably defining that in in as simple a way as you know like um as some of the other metrics that we have, you know, in terms of who got this particular screening or service, yeah. um, we, we purposely, um, very intentionally in consultation with our stakeholders to find the benefit in a way that's very broad and, mm -hmm. and fairly expansive. Um, so, you know, we talked about they, that they can do health education to promote the beneficiary's health, address barriers to care. 
Um, we talk about health navigation to provide folks information, training, support to understand their connection with the healthcare system, screening and assessment to identify the need for various services, and then individual support and advocacy. So <laughs> I think as you can see, you know, with, with kind of the way those services are structured, it's very tailored to the person. Yeah. Uh, and so like, you know, I, I don't think it, it will be as easy like to say, oh, this metric, you know, that, that they, these, these community health workers are meant to address, you know, lead screening or fall prevention, or, you know, there's just that there's a wide range of ways that they can be used, which is part of the, you know, the excitement, I think, of, of this benefit. Um, that said, I think, the, and probably my managed care colleagues can speak to this a little bit better, but um, to, to the extent, um, you know, that our initial phases of rolling out the benefit um, you know, they're, they're requiring the managed care plans to sort of show um, more on like a process basis, like how many um, how many folks have you contracted with? Like, are the services being delivered? And um, are, you know, you, uh, uh, Dr. Paula Bavaria, our um, population health officer. So mm -hmm. she, she is going to um, also be more integral in in looking at the monitoring, you know, how these are being integrated into the healthcare system, how this um, interacts with our population health management efforts. And so that will be, I think, you know, we, we launched the benefit, but I think that is just the beginning of, you know, of, of, this, of this story of uh, which will play out over, over several years. And I think you'll be, be seeing more and more about, you know, uh, how, how we, judge success, how the benefits going, um, ways we can, you know, provide more guidance to, to improve programs um, that are happening out in the community. How can we get more people enrolled? So I think, you know, first looking at those process metrics and then really looking at, okay, how is this influencing the care that folks are getting in, in various spaces? Okay, that's great. So if someone wants to be a community health worker, are there defined criteria? Is there defined criteria right now, or each plan sets its own? Any feedback there? Yeah, so we we worked real hard to um, <laughs> to develop standards that would be you know not uh, create a barrier to getting folks you know who have been doing this for a long time to allowing them to continue and to getting more folks in the door, um, recognizing the importance of those things that. <laughs> can't be taught in school yeah. <laughs> in terms of uh, how important that is for, you know, for the definition of a community health worker, having that credibility, having that um, relatability, cultural competence. So uh, the way we've defined the standards are, you know, there, there are a set of core competencies that we've defined in the state plan amendment. And that we've been pretty broad about who, you know, what kind of organizations can offer a certificate that includes those core competencies. So we didn't say it has to be from, you know, organization A, B, or C. Um, there's no statewide certification body for community health workers that does exist in some other states. We don't have that in California. So part of creating the benefit was also defining those competencies and kind of what would we accept as, you know, who can, who can get in the door and bill for services as a community health worker. So they basically have to have one of two things. Okay. They have to have a certificate that meets certain core competencies, or they have to have a, a certain level of work experience that will get them in the door. 
And then within a certain period of time, they will have to also, if they come in through the kind of work experience pathway, they will have to also earn a certificate. So the goal is to make sure eventually everyone participating as a community health worker has has some formal training in those core competencies. Gotcha. Can and you get I should also mention just you know we have a, our sister department, Department of Healthcare Access and Information. They have a whole other effort where they are um, working to certify organizations that will then be able to offer those CHW certificates. Ah. So that, that will be, that's an ongoing multi-year effort. So um, we, you know, we were a little bit before, <laughs> before that, you know, uh, so we, we kind of set the stage, but they are taking it to the next level. So within the next, you know, the, the next coming years, you'll see a little bit, a little bit more formalization in that space. Okay, awesome. Are you able to share? I, I know it's still in development, um, but like, what's an example of a core competency? that someone would need to have um, to get this certificate? Oh, sure. So, um, yeah, so those are, those are, those are defined, you know, in the state plan amendment. Okay. So, okay. Um, the, the core competencies that we've defined and this, we didn't kind of make them up. <laughs> they okay. came out of a, a nationwide effort to really kind of try to get consensus around the core competencies in this area. So we were able to leverage that work, which was very, very helpful. Um, so the core competencies for, for instance, communication, interpersonal and relationship building, service coordination and navigation, um, education and facilitation. Um, so those are those are some of them. Um, outreach, professional skills and conduct, community assessment. So there's there are there are a list of ten competencies that we um, that we said are required to be covered. And most of most of the current training programs you know, already cover, you know, most, if not all of those core competencies. So would need, um, you know, mi minimal, hopefully, if, if any uh, adjustments to be able to meet the requirements. Okay, cool. So in development, it's going to be a few years out as we formalize development. Do you know if there, have there been any success stories that you've heard of? I know it's a brand new benefit, so I don't mean to put you on the spot. Uh, just rolled out in July, but maybe some early learnings or, or challenges that you've heard out in the first couple months. Yeah, so I mean, I think there there are always going to be challenges, you know, just expected as part of the process when we're we're trying to integrate, you know, new, you know, non licensed um, folks who have been working in a certain space yeah. in the healthcare system and really integrate them in in a way that um, that they haven't been before in terms of insurance coverage for the benefit. Um, we don't have at this point a, a real, it's just too early to have data on how the benefit is, you know, has being, it's, you know, just given the lag and claims and encounter data that we get um, since the benefit just launched in July. Makes but there, there is a long history, you know, of use of the community health worker in California in various spaces, you know, throughout local local health jurisdictions, um, health plans, like Inland Empire Health Plan um, has long employed community health workers and contracted with community-based organizations um, to, to help, you know, certain populations. And um, so, the, the, and, you know, LA County, there's, there's just a, a, lot of, a lot of success stories of usage of CHWs uh, across the state. Got it. But that was pre uh, official benefit with DHS. So that's that's a good point or too early 
for the official benefit to hear all the successes, but you've seen them with those other plans. I know IEHP, do they have the largest geography, like square miles in the state, maybe? Well, the county, the county itself, I'm thinking San Bernardino County. Yeah. Yeah. It might be, it might be true. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, Lisa, this is great. Um, I'm really excited. I've known about this term for a while. So to see this come through um, is really excited. I'm actually going out to the Inland Empire next, I believe next week to hear um, someone talk more on this benefit as well. So um, really appreciate, yeah, really appreciate you. Um, I know this was a pretty quick turnaround. Uh, and I appreciate your colleague, Kat, for helping put this together. Uh, Lisa, if folks want to follow how things are going with this new benefit, is uh, just kind of following through the DHCS website the best way to do that? Or are there any other places folks can kind of keep tabs on the, these new certificate processes that are coming down the road? Yeah, so a couple of things. You know, if you want to be in touch with, uh, with the department, we do have a, uh, an email address. So you can reach out to us at chwbenefit okay. at .gov. And that, that is also linked off of the Community Health Workers webpage. So if you're, if you're able, just pull that up. Um, so you can communicate directly with our, our benefits division that way. And you know if it's to someone else in the department, we can also get you in touch with the right folks. Another, another thing I would just flag for you, it's not launched yet, but our, I mentioned our sister department, Department of Healthcare Access and Information. They will be launching a, a stakeholder process on development of the certification programs. And, um, and I know, you know, just because of the cross-cutting nature of, um, of Medi-Cal being such an important piece of that, DHCS will also be engaged in that stakeholder effort. So, um, you know, folks can bring uh, bring issues there, and and uh, I think that will that will be a great forum for ongoing engagement um, over the next year or two. All right, sounds good. Well, hey, Lisa, again, really appreciate you uh, joining the show today. A wealth of information on the what's to me a really exciting benefit. Um, good luck to your boys uh, as well in school, and you being on the school board also. I know you're wearing many professional hats, so thanks for squeezing us in today, Lisa. Oh, absolutely, it was a real pleasure. Thank you, Kevin. Thanks everyone for tuning in to another episode of Pop Health Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode. And if you have and want to check out other episodes, visit us at pophealthpodcast.com, iTunes or Apple Music, Spotify, Stitcher, and now YouTube as well. Take care.